Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Over at BangTheBook.com, we are your one-stop shop for sports betting news and information. Lots of great stuff over there on a daily basis. Daily picks in college basketball from Kyle Hunter. Daily picks in the NHL from Parker Michaels. Danny Borges' updated NFL power ratings, 57% here on the season. You can check those out over there. We'll have some NFL best bets, NFL prop bets, NFL market watch about where sharp money is. We'll have all that stuff coming up here for you as you get ready for the weekend. We've got uh, my college basketball piece on how to Saturday cards. I'm going to put that up on Friday night. I'm working really hard on my Major League Baseball stuff to get ready for that upcoming season here as we're about a um, little over a month away from spring training. So baseball coming very, very soon as well. Lots of good stuff going on at bangthebook.com. Lots of good stuff in the works as well. Some new toys, some new tools, things of that sort. So keep it tuned over there. Promise you won't be disappointed. Also check out our sportsbook reviews, our free pick contests. And as you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB200 is the promo code that will get you a 100% deposit match bonus up to $500 for the sportsbook and a 100% deposit match bonus up to $500 for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. All right, so we recorded this on Thursday evening here, our first segment with Kyle Hunter, our handicapping the hardwood segment. Then, of course, Brent coming up after that. So, here is this week's Handicapping the Hardwood segment with Kyle Hunter of huntersportspicks.com and bangthebook.com. All right, I'm joined now by Kyle Hunter of huntersportspicks.com and also bangthebook.com for this week's Handicapping the Hardwood segment. Kyle, how's it going today, man? It's going well, man. Uh, it's been a while since we've talked. It's good to be back on here. Good to have you back on the show. Glad to hear that everyone's starting to do better there in the Hunter household. I know it was a little bit rough there for a couple of weeks, but good to get you back on the program here. And before we do a lot of college basketball stuff, let's wrap up the college football season. You and I were texting throughout the game on Monday night. And, you know, while it sucks to see college football go, it's not a bad thing to have a little bit of a change of scenery, at least as far as things go for me. So let's look back at the college football season and sort of look back at the things that you feel like you did really well, whether it was something new that you incorporated or something tried and true, what worked out really well for you during the 2018 college football season? So let me say from the start that, you know, honesty and transparency is first and foremost to me. Uh, college football is a really good sport for me long term. I've done extremely well in it. This was not a good college football season for me. I'll tell you that my record for the season overall, 69 wins, 69 losses. Some might say that's a nice record, but I don't find it nice. Uh, I would say that uh, – 
you know, if you go 69-69, lose six units like I did, uh, I'm expected to do better than that, and I expect myself to do better than that. Um, what went right, you know, I, I, I'm getting better and better at uh, market entry, you know, knowing when to get into a, a play and watching watching the lines and predicting which teams are going to get steam, which teams aren't. Uh, you know, I had more closing line value this year than I've ever had in a year before. It didn't end up making uh, the wins come, but in a sample size of 138 games, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, long-term, I've done really well in college football, and I think that, you know, as long as I keep being as good at getting that closing line value and, and finding the efficiencies as far as uh, tempo and offensive and defensive efficiencies, different trends like that, uh, I'm very confident that I'll continue to do well long-term in college football. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before on the show that really the best indicator you have of future success is getting closing line value, is getting the best of the number that you can. And you got a lot of that and it didn't work out. And the thing about this business that I really want people to understand, and we've talked about this a lot here with our various guests on the show, there's still variance involved. There's still some guesswork involved in this business but you're trying to compile the best possible case you can with all the information that you have and then hope that things go in your way. And if things go in your way 55 or 56% of the time, that's really, really good. And for you, you obviously were finding edges. You were getting that closing line value. The problem is the games still have to be played and sometimes turnovers don't bounce your way. Sometimes somebody gets hurt during the game, whatever the case may be, you know, getting line value is not, a guarantee of winning, but it is a pretty good indicator of future success. So even though it wasn't a great season for you, and even though this isn't, you know, what clients want to hear, kudos to you for having your best season from a closing line value standpoint. I think that's something that will definitely be helpful in the long term. It, it absolutely will be. You know, if you keep getting that much closing line value, you're, you're going to do a lot better than, than 50% long term. And I'll say that, you know, if you look through all the other sports, I've done well in every other sport here in the past year. Uh, 60% so far in the NFL this year. Uh, really good Major League Baseball season. Uh, decent start to NBA. Really good start to college basketball. You know, I have people saying now, uh, you must be better at NFL than college football. If you look at the NFL this year, I haven't played that many games. I'm hitting 60% uh, so far in NFL this year. I think this is one of those perfect examples of saying that you know, just because I'm doing better in NFL this year than, than college football, I do not think I'm better at NFL than I am college football. You know, I think we need to look at the larger sample size of this and understand that if I keep getting that much closing line value in college football, first of all, you're not going to get that much closing line value in the NFL, and everybody knows that. But if you keep getting that kind of closing line value in college football, I'm pretty sure that the record will uh, take care of itself in the long term. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, this is a long-term business. You know, some people some people that have no effing clue what they're doing in this business might roll through an NFL season at 70% and then, you know, be 50% or 45% or 40% the next year. Variance is a thing, and, and handicapping against variance, along with all the other factors, is definitely a big challenge. So with that in mind, outside of, you know, running better, for uh, to use a poker analogy there, what do you feel like you can do better next season to increase that college football winning percentage? So I would say, first of all, that, you know, I definitely did run bad. This was a really, really bad uh, end of the season for me. You know, it was for a while, the bad beat segment on ESPN with Scott Van Pelt and Stanford Steve. I, I was, 
I knew what games were going to be on it every single week because I knew one of my games was going to be on there. This happened every single time. Um, you know, at the end of the year, that's just the way it was, and it's it's really frustrating to spend the amount of time that I do in college football and see that happen time after time. Um, you know, so obviously, you know, you, you want to hope that that won't keep happening. But I would say my single biggest weakness in college football is pulling the trigger on the ugliest of underdogs. You know, I I have a strong lean toward a team, say, plus 17, plus 21, whatever it may be. And I, I usually find a way to talk myself out of a game like that. And I, that's kind of frustrating for me because I would say that's long-term my, my single biggest weakness in college football. I need to get better at I just understanding that when you look at all the stats, you break down everything. That ugly dog is, is an ugly dog for a reason, but you are catching that many points. It's it's a, not a really easy thing for me to do, and it's certainly I don't like to lay a lot of points either, but um, I wouldn't say that I'm a big favorites player, but at the same time, it's you know it's a lot easier for me to take an underdog to say plus seven or plus six and a half. When I see those plus 17 underdogs, I, I seem to find a way to, sell, to talk myself out of games like that. Well, and I think that this sort of boils down to a little bit, you know, you have different, I guess for lack of a better term, you, you have a different expectation maybe with your personal bankroll or, or maybe, a, you know, a, a different level of risk tolerance. You know, because if you're running a little bit bad in college football and, and all of a sudden you're saying, hey, you know, play Texas State or play UConn or something like that, Clients are going to be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why would you play that team? How could you ever play that team? And and that's a big difference between the personal side of handicapping and the selling side of handicapping is that for better or worse, there are optics involved. When you've got, you know, premium clients, they don't want to be betting Texas State every week or UConn every week. You may find value from a personal bankroll side, but it's hard to sell that type of play, especially if you're running the way that you did last year. So, Maybe that would be my suggestion to you would be, you know, having uh, s- some more uh, defined lines between your personal bankroll and your premium bankroll. And, you know, obviously if some of those personal plays win, it doesn't help the clients, but you know, at least you won't be second guessing yourself as much that you left some of those off the cart. I, I think that's a fair point. Definitely. I think that, you know, uh, recommending, like you said, UConn plus 20 something or, or Texas state plus a ton of points is not going to be popular. And then, like you said, if you're running really poorly and you lose a game like that, you're going to hear it. You're definitely going to hear it. And I know even, you know, I, I, with totals, I'm more confident than I am on sides because, you know, all-time on totals, I'm about 57.5% in college football. And, uh, you know, totals still, it's hard for me to, to recommend taking, a, you know, over 80 or over 85 because that's really hard to do. You know, if you lose a game like that, somebody's going to say, uh, I mean, what's wrong with you? I mean, who takes an over 83? And and you can understand that from one standpoint, but at the other time you, you say, hey, you know, if there's, if there's value on over 83 because you think it's going to be 90, then you should go ahead and take it. And, and that is a little bit of a hard thing to do uh, uh, when you're trying to sell tickets to people. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I think it's one of those things, too, for everybody from a personal handicapping standpoint. You know, if you think that there's value, I don't care how ugly it is. If you think there's value, play it. You know, it's, it's sort of like sitting there at the blackjack table. you got 16 against a nine. There's some smalls on the table. You know, maybe you're a little bit worried about taking that hit. Well, you know, look at what's going on. Decide what your edge is in that situation. And, you know, hit if you want to. Stand if you don't. But, you know, make the right play. 
And if you think that, you know, making the right play is to take that huge underdog or something like that, do it, you know, absolutely do it because you know what? The money counts the same. It doesn't matter if you win a bet on Clemson versus Alabama or, you know, Ohio state versus that team up North, or if you win a bet on middle Tennessee state against old dominion, doesn't matter. All that money is the same. So play your edges, even if they are ugly. And, you know, obviously that is tougher for you, you know, from a selling standpoint, but for all of our personal bankroll listeners out there, if you think there's value, play it, just trust yourself, trust the hard work that you've put in, assuming you're putting in the hard work and not just throwing darts at the board, but man, trust and confidence are two of the biggest things that I've taken away from this college football season is that, you know, if I like something, I just got to play it. Yeah. I think, uh, one final thing I would say that uh, that I'm going to try to incorporate more moving forward is special teams. I, th- I think special teams play is even more important than what I thought it was in the past. Um, I have to incorporate that more into my numbers, both when it comes to uh, sides and totals. So uh, we'll we'll talk about that more going forward next year. But um, I, I totally agree with what you said there. That you know, if you if you have worked hard at something and you really like it, you talk yourself out of it you're going to be really pissed if, you, if that thing wins and you passed on it. And I know that for me, that's some of the most frustrating ones is, you know, you sit there all week saying, I love, you know, team X plus seven. And then they go and win by 14 points outright. And you passed because of some random reason that you saw during the week. That It's really frustrating to see that one go by the wayside because you talked yourself out of it. So I think that's a good point to go ahead and, you know, if you spent a lot of time, put a lot of hard work and research into it, Best to trust your research. Yeah, most definitely is. And uh, we'll transition over to the college basketball side of things now. And uh, was talking with Kyle before we started recording here. We are going to have him on twice a week now. Looks like in the interim, it will be Mondays and Fridays, uh, likely recording on Thursday afternoon for as long as we're doing the odds report. Sometimes we may do a, a Friday morning segment if we can't record or something like that. But should have him twice a week in the lead up to conference tournaments, March Madness and all that. Once we get to some of those things, the schedule may change some, uh, you know, with day games and things that Kyle needs to handicap and, and all that type of stuff. So just a heads up that as of now, it looks like we will have him twice a week, Monday on the Monday show and also the Friday show on Kyle. There's also something special that you're doing over at bangthebook.com right now. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the uh, daily picks uh, preview write up that I've got going on at bangthebook.com. Pick that one up there on January 2nd to start off the new year. Off to a good start here uh, with, with the plays, 12-5 and five so far. I know there's been a lot of positive feedback as far as, uh, you know, listeners being able to, to check on that article every single day and follow along. Uh, I will say, you know, I wanted to say, um, I pointed this out uh, in the article in the past. I'm going to say it now just because I know how this goes. Adam, you know how this goes. I'm not going to keep going 12-5 and five all the time. Uh, I am going to keep what? it in quality. What do you mean? What? Some... what do you mean you're not going to go 12 and five all the time? That's what we expect right, at right. bangthebook.com. Was... Damn it! Right, right. That was part of the deal, right? 12 and five every 17 picks. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things where you're just you're happy with a good start, and uh, you know, I think that all the listeners should try to read all the information in there. I'm going to give away some angles, some statistics, things like that. They're definitely going to make you a better. Um, sports better, especially when it comes to college basketball. Um, college basketball is a unique sport to bet. You know, there's so many games, so many small teams that most people don't know very well. 
And if you think about it now, a lot of times the odds makers are just slapping on, uh, you know, a 10-palm number. Um, you know, you can just go across the board and look at the openers, and they're pretty much matching uh, KP across the board. Uh, that, in some ways, it's a bad thing because, you know, uh, Ken Palm is a really good thing to use for research. And another way, it's a good thing because if there are things such as injuries or recent um, pace changes or things like that, those aren't going to be accounted for as well, it seems like to me. So um, things like that, you know, we're going to be talking about statistics, uh, analyzing, you know, why that pick is there. I, I want everybody to read, not but also, you know, why I got to that and uh, the thought process to get to that point. But I, I think that there's going to be, quality info there, and I, I certainly hope that I can help everybody make some money throughout the course of the season. Well, and just to clarify here, too, you know, we've obviously talked about the selling side, and, and Kyle's still doing the premium picks himself, and, and, you know, you can reach out to him for those, but what this is designed to be here are either games that are leans that just missed the premium card, or derivatives, and we've seen a lot of derivatives from Kyle so far, first half, uh, look to live bet, second half types of things, things of that sort, those can't be tracked by a lot of the pick selling sites that are out there. So it's very good for us because then we can have them in our article over at bangthebook.com. So you will see a lot of derivatives there. Maybe you'll see some premium plays that moved out of premium range that Kyle still likes, stuff like that. So I just wanted to make that distinction that, you know, we're not overlapping the premium plays. We're just giving Kyle a platform to have some more of his leans and some of those derivative options out there. Yeah, right. It, definitely. Um, I think the fact that, you know, I'm able to have those derivative options is one of the biggest uh, positives for me because, you know, like I said, on the websites that I'm on, I'm not able to have things like, you know, live bets or first class bets or anything like that. So, you know, I, we are able to track those on bangthebook.com, and I'm going to be using those quite a bit. I know we've got some good feedback about those thus far. I, I think that there are definitely some opportunities there. I mean, you know, these, these are markets that, um, are not nearly as sharp as a lot of the other markets that we talk about. You know, when you, you talk about the NFL, you talk about the NBA, um, it's going to be hard to find a big edge. You're talking college basketball, small market games, first half. Uh, I think there's certainly a, a much bigger edge to be had there. All right. So definitely make sure you're checking out that article every day over at bangthebook.com. And as Kyle gets back to full health here, we're going to be adding some videos over on our YouTube page with him as well. Uh, still deciding what we want, you know, those topics and focuses to be. Uh, but hopefully that will be something that we can incorporate over on our YouTube page here beginning next week. All right, let's take a look at some regression candidates here. So what we like to do on our Handicapping the Hardwood segment every time we do one. We'll start with the glass half empty and look for a negative regression candidate from one of our favorite conferences, the Fun Belt. Yeah, Louisiana Monroe here. Um, they were number 280 in offensive efficiency two years ago. They were number 251 in offensive efficiency, and this is as of Ken Pomeroy, so the adjusted offensive efficiency. 287 two years ago, 251 last year, number 96 this year. They're shooting 41.4% from three-point range this year, 32.6 and 35.6% from long range the last two years. I don't think this team's going to keep shooting 41.5% from three-point range. Um, you know, this is a team that plays relatively slowly. They don't play much defense at all. Uh, the Sun Belt has some teams who can really score. You know, I think there's going to be some pretty high-scoring games in the Sun Belt this year. Right now, Monroe's offense is looking like, you know, maybe they could keep up in a lot of those high-scoring games. I think in the long run, unless they start playing some better defense, it's not going to work out for them because I don't, I don't expect them to keep shooting this well. 
All right, so we'll transition to the positive regression team. And I mentioned this team in my video, my Tuesday three-pack over on our YouTube page a couple of days ago. Uh, that was Purdue. They were taking on Michigan State, like the under in that game, and that one came in actually relatively easily. It's nice to get those games where you don't have any kind of sweat. Uh, but the Purdue, one side of Purdue specifically you're looking at as a positive regression candidate. Yeah, I think Purdue's defense is better than they're showing so far this year. Uh, you know, just for an example, opponents are shooting uh, 76.7% from the free throw line against them. And look, if there was ever a stat that's just totally random, it's free throw defense. I mean, obviously, what is free throw defense? It's a free throw. So if teams are shooting extremely well against you from the free throw line, um, if it's abnormally high, uh, that's a defense that should improve as far as efficiency because, um, you know, that's not something that we should be able to, to expect going forward. And I will say that Purdue consistently has been a top 25 defense as far as efficiency under Matt Painter. He's known as a really good defensive-minded coach. Right now they're 75th in defensive efficiency. Uh, if you look at Purdue, I mean, they've played some pretty good offensive teams so far this year. And in general, they've played the fourth toughest schedule in the country. So this is a Purdue team that's played a very tough schedule. I think they're better than their 9-6 and six record, and I think the, the main reason they're better than that is, is their defense is better than they've shown thus far. Well, it's a call to action to Purdue fans when Purdue's got home games there uh, to, you know, be a little bit more active behind the backboards there and try to distract those free throw shooters a little bit. Uh, in that respect, Kyle, are you looking to play on Purdue against the spread or are you just mostly looking at using this to your advantage from a total standpoint? Yeah, I, I would lean toward Purdue against the spread, and I would also lean to unders with Purdue. I will say that Purdue's a very efficient team on offense, and I think that's probably likely to continue. Carson Edwards is a very good um, guy to get that offense going, to run the offense through. I would expect Purdue will continue to be efficient on offense. They don't play that fast, though, and I think their defense is going to get better. So when they play other teams that are usually a pretty high-scoring team, you get a high, high number in the Big Ten, I would lean toward the under. I also would lean toward backing Purdue. I think they're undervalued in general right now. All right, so we've got a couple of regression candidates there. The Louisiana Monroe offense going in a downward direction. Purdue's offense should be – or Purdue's defense, excuse me, should be on the rise here in the near future. And we'll segue into a little bit of a follow and fade, and we'll try to do this on every edition of Handicapping the Hardwood going forward here. We've got a follow team that you know is a name – from a, a low major conference that a lot of people know that is off to a very, very bad start. Yeah, uh, Iona, the Gales, are 2-11 ATS so far this year. This is a really well-coached team. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And they're accustomed to dominating this conference, the MAAC. I think their prices are going to be depressed some going forward. Now, I certainly don't think that this Iona team is nearly as good as they've been in the past. But you look at what's happened when they get in their first couple games in the MAAC. They beat Monmouth 103-84. to They beat Fairfield 94-87. to uh, this is a team that's better than their record. Um, have they scheduled a really tough schedule? No, but they've played tougher teams than what they're going to play 
inside this conference. I think that this is a team that will get better as the course of the season goes. Um, this is a new team. You know, they, they've got some uh, transfers. They've got some older guys that didn't play very much in past years. Uh, so they're not really a young team, but they're not the team that they've been in the past couple of years. I think Clueless is a really good coach. Iona's offense will be efficient in the conference. They're going to score a lot of points. Um, I think there's going to be value on Iona going forward. And the coaching point is a really good one because if there's a lot of turnover or if it's a new coach or maybe a second-year coach, something like that, it's really not a big surprise that things start out a little bit slow. But as these coaches get more practice time, as they get into playing some teams they're more familiar with, those are definitely teams that you want to look to buy. And Iona certainly fits the bill. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Iona is a, a well-coached team, and we, and we know what we're going to get from them. You know, if you have a coach there who's proven how good they are in the past, I think that's something to look for for sure. All right, so we got a fade team here. This one from a major conference, and uh, this is a coach that, you know, we've talked about a few times over the course of uh, doing the handicapping the hardwood segments here. So who's that team, and why is it, uh, you know, potentially the coach's fault? Well, it's Georgia Tech. They're 11-4 and four ATS so far this year. Now, Josh Pastner uh, did not do a very good job in the past when he was at Memphis. I will say, I think he's done a, certainly a better job here at Georgia Tech, uh, a program that doesn't have the talent that some of the other ACC teams have. But they're, this team's at least playing hard for him, and they're playing good defense. The problem that I have with Georgia Tech is that Pastner's teams are very inconsistent. You don't know what you're going to get. Um, they'll, they'll upset a team that they never should have beaten, and then the next week they'll lose to a team that they have no business losing to. And, and it happens over and over again. If you look at Georgia Tech, too, look at who they've played. So 273rd toughest schedule, according to Ken Pomeroy. Look at who they have coming up. I mean, they play at Syracuse, at Clemson, home against Louisville, home against Notre Dame, at Duke, home against North Carolina, at Florida State. I mean, you can go on and on. Obviously, the ACC is a really good conference, but um, their schedule gets tough very fast here going forward. And I think this 11-4 and four ATS number is going to have Georgia Tech overvalue going forward. All right, so we're getting to some games that we're looking at here for this weekend. And, and with this first one, I, I think you may still be under the weather or, or have some kind of fever or maybe the medication that you're on is making you hallucinate or, or something like that. Do you really want to sing the praises of, of Rick Barnes right now? <laughs> um. Yeah, I promise it's not It's not just that. I, I'm certainly feeling a lot better than I was. I, I think that uh, Tennessee, you have to give Rick Barnes credit for what he's done, at least, you know, at Tennessee during the regular season. I, I am giving this a caveat and saying that he has to prove it in the postseason before I'm done with the whole, you know, bashing Rick, uh, Rick Barnes in general because he's had some really, really good talent and has never done anything in the postseason. Let's see what he does this year. Hey, Tennessee's playing some really good basketball right now. I think this is a team that, you know, is uh, has some really good team chemistry. I know that Rick Barnes is saying that he, he's found a, a true home here in Tennessee. People have embraced, embraced him and this team. You can read a lot of positive stuff from the beat writers and the articles uh, online where everybody's just loving Rick Barnes. He's loving Tennessee back, and it's going really well. Uh, let's see what happens going forward. I think that this is an interesting test because, you have a Florida team that's underachieved so far this year. Florida just coming off that win here on Wednesday um, at Arkansas where they had a huge lead and almost blew the lead, but won uh, 57-51. Florida should be better than they have been. They're, they're better than a 9-5 and five team. 
a very good defensive team. Tennessee much better on offense as far as efficiency than Florida. I think this should be a really good game, and I would lean toward this being a lower-scoring game because I don't think either team will be pushing the tempo that much here. I think this will be a hard-fought basketball game, but um, I think that this is a really good test for this Tennessee team because I, I don't think that they'll get a weak effort from Florida here. I think Florida will be ready to play. Well, when you look at Tennessee here, and, and this is a concern that you want to be looking at uh, at this time of the year, they've played one road game outside of the state of Tennessee. It was against Missouri. They did beat Missouri by 24 points. So they certainly made a statement in that game, but be a much different type of atmosphere down in Gainesville on Saturday evening. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Tennessee playing at Missouri is one thing. Playing at Florida is a, a whole different thing. And, and like you said, their only other road game there was against Memphis. That was a 102-92 to 92, uh, crazy game. So I think that Tennessee still has something to prove. This is a team that hasn't played a really tough schedule so far this year. They did play Kansas and lose in overtime. Uh, Louisville, not a great team like they've been in the past. Obviously, their one huge win was against Gonzaga on the neutral court. Um, that's that's their uh, feather in their cap. But to me, Tennessee, a team that is very good at this point, I still wouldn't trust them in the postseason. And, and you know, we'll, we'll revisit this one and see how uh, Tennessee does in the postseason to see whether we have to change our stance on Rick Barnes. Now, something you will remember here about us with handicapping the hardwood, and, and we've been doing some college basketball stuff throughout here, but something that listeners will remember if they've been with us for a while, we talk a lot of under-the-radar games, under-the-radar teams. That's where the best value is in college basketball. Maybe there might be value on Tennessee and Florida. Maybe there might be value on you know TCU and Oklahoma or some of the other big games here on Saturday, but a lot of times we're going to find our talking points from the low and mid-majors, and we've got one here out in the big sky, Weber State and Portland State. What's the deal with this one? So in the past years, uh, listeners might remember that sometimes I'll say this is a possible premium play. This is a possible premium play for Saturday. I like Weber State in this game. If you look at it, it really sets up well as far as the situational spot. I've got Weber State coming off a home loss to Southern Utah in overtime. And they have a week to think about it. You know, this this was a really bad loss for a Weber State team that is one of the favorites, uh, probably the second or third best team in this Big Sky Conference. Montana certainly the favorite. Uh, Weber State probably the second best team as far as their upside. Northern Colorado also a pretty good team. But I, I would say if you look at the other side of it, Portland State, they were a good team last year. We talked about them a lot last year. They lost a lot from last year's team. A lot, um, a lot of key losses. Their offense this year, very, very poor as far as efficiency. They're 349th in effective field goal percentage, according to Ken Pomeroy. They're, they're shooting 24.9% from three-point range, which is second worst in the country. Uh, they're coming off a road win at Montana. So they just beat the big sky favorite. Now they have a week. Um, then they play Weber State at home. They have to be feeling pretty good about it. And they've already lost home games to Loyola Marymount by 27 points, Northern Colorado by 13, and Cal State Bakersfield by 13 or by five points. So you've got a Portland State team that has already lost several games at home, playing against a Weber State team that should come into this game pretty ticked off. I, I think that this sets up well for Weber State. Um, what would this line be? Probably three, three and a half. Um, you know, I'd hate to lay much more than three here with Weber State. So certainly keep an eye on the price. And, and when I talk about these, 
I'll try to give you an idea of what I think the price will be. Uh, you know, if this one comes out Weber State minus five or minus five and a half, then I won't take it. But uh, if Weber State is at a reasonable price here, I really think this makes sense. You've got a team with uh, much more talent that's had a week to think about a disappointing loss. And on the other side, you have a team that, that finally picks up that really big win that they've been wanting to have all year after a five-game losing streak. And then they come home to play a team that's better than that. Hopefully this will be a winning pick. But one of the games I talked about in my Thursday three-pack video over on YouTube was Eastern Kentucky. They've started 0-2 in the OVC. They played Murray State and Austin P, and, and they played Belmont coming up here this weekend on the road. You, you don't want to start 0-4. And it's important in these small conferences to keep in mind that, you know, you can go 500 in conference play in the Big Ten or the Big 12 or something like that, still make the NCAA tournament. You cannot do that in these one-bid leagues. The regular season really matters a lot, especially if you've got double buys and things of that sort. So, you know, for Weber State, they'll want to bounce back right away. And I think it's a really strong angle in the low major and mid-major conferences where teams don't want these things to snowball because seeding could be really important. So I guess something as we go throughout the season here, our listeners definitely want to keep in mind about leagues like the Big Sky or the Big West or, uh, you know, the West, not really the West Coast Conference because Gonzaga just owns that. But, you know, some of those smaller conferences to where, you know, Weber State, it's important for them to play well early on in the regular season and not be chasing their respective, you know, chasing their figurative tails for the next couple of months. Yeah, it is. And I, I think that even this is one of those games that, you know, you find spots like this, you make the, the bet. If it's, you know, Weaver State minus two and a half minus three, if it loses, it loses, you know, it's one of those bets that it's going to win more often than it's going to lose. I think that this is the type of situation you want to try to find and you just know going into it that obviously anything can happen in one game. And I think that's something that's important to keep in mind in handicapping in general, and especially in college basketball. I mean, there's games every single day. Uh, you know, don't beat yourself up too much if you lose one that you really liked a lot. You know, move on to the next day. Keep those strong angles coming. All right, so let's go to one of the types of games that we absolutely love to talk about here on Handicapping the Hardwood. We go down to Conference USA for this one, and uh, I'll let you go ahead and take the thunder because this is these are the types of games people are going to hear from us over the next couple of months. Yeah, I mean, this is the type of games that I love more than any, any other. This is Old Dominion against FIU. You could not get a more epic war than this. I mean, this this is a class of styles if there was ever a class of styles. Um, FIU is first in the country in tempo this year. They've actually surpassed the Citadel, um, Savannah State, and Eastern Kentucky so far this year. That's very close, and, you know, by the time this game happens, they might not even be first, but they're going to be in the top five in tempo. FIU is running and gunning, shooting it within uh, 13 seconds on average, 13 or 14 seconds on average um, out of shot clock. And you've got an Old Dominion team that always goes really slowly. They're always in the bottom 15 or 20 team in tempo every single year. And ODU, how do they win games? They win games with a tremendous defense. They're only uh, giving up 39.9% on two-point jumpers. Uh, that's second best in the country. They don't give up second-chance points, which, uh, you know, if you've been reading the, the article that I do daily at bangthebook.com, you'll know that, that's something that I look at a lot. You know, as I look through the angles and uh, I've ran queries on them and things like that, uh, being able to grab that defensive rebound 
uh, versus giving the team second chances is even more important than most people think. So uh, that's something I'll talk about a lot. In Old Dominion, they're in an interesting spot here. They came off of that last Saturday game against Western Kentucky where they were losing 21 to nothing to start the game. Came back and won 69 to 66. Now they play Florida Atlantic on Thursday on the road. They play FIU on Saturday. This isn't an ideal spot for Old Dominion. I mean, this is a fairly long trip to uh, Florida International from Old Dominion. Um, you know, who do I like as far as the side? I wouldn't want to lay a lot of points with Old Dominion. Uh, what I like more, though, here is I, I would lean toward the under. I think that Old Dominion is going to do their best to, to slop up this game and make it lower scoring. If you look at what Old Dominion's done in the past with Marshall, they've been about as good as anybody at, at making games against Marshall as low scoring as possible. And also you consider fa- the fact that even though Florida International plays extremely fast, they're really not very good on offense. You know, this is a team that's shooting 27% from three-point range. So, to me, my strongest lean here would be the under. I imagine the total would be somewhere around 150, 149. Uh, we'll see what happens with that one, but that might be one that will show up in the article again on, on Saturday. Something that's always interesting to me, and, and I imagine it's on a case-by-case basis, but I do want to get your take on this here. When you've got a game, where you've got a super slow team and a hyper speed team. When you look at how the line is set out there, you know, does it traditionally seem to be shaded one way or the other? Meaning in general, if there's a, if there's a pace war, does it tend to be shaded lower or higher as far as the total or size? Yeah. I mean, cause I, I feel like it's difficult to try and, you know, will ODU slow down FIU? I don't know. Will FIU force old dominion to move a little quicker I don't know. I mean, how do you feel like that's kind of accounted for in setting the total? I think that if anything, that the, the total would be shaded a little bit lower. Just, you know, from experience uh, in basketball, it, it's pretty hard to speed up a team that's really good at keeping the tempo slow. If you know what you're doing and playing fall ball, it can be really hard to speed up the game. I, I think it's easier to slow somebody down than it is to speed somebody up if you're um, – you know, veterans about it. And I think Old Dominion's about as good at this as anybody. We've seen Wisconsin do that in the past, especially when Bo Ryan was there. Nobody got them out of their game. I mean, that's just the way they play. Um, you'll, you'll have to adjust to what they're doing. And I, I think that, in general, you would probably see the, the total shaded a little bit lower in spots like that. All right, one more game to touch on here, and then I've got a question for you, um, just a, a general talking point about college basketball. But we'll finish up the games here first. In the MAC, the Mid-American Conference, Kent State and Eastern Michigan, there's been a theme when we've talked about college basketball and, and the transition from college football to college basketball. This is one of those games that falls under that theme that we've been talking about. Yeah, so this is a game where you look at the massive strength of schedule difference. Uh, Kent State, 303rd strength of schedule, according to Ken Palm. Eastern Michigan, number two. Um, First of all, I have to say, it's pretty amazing that this far into the season, we're 15 games into the season, Eastern Michigan's number two. I, you have to give them a lot of credit for who they've played against so far this year. Uh, Buffalo, Kansas, TCU, Duke, uh, really, really tough schedule. Uh, even UC Irvine's a pretty good team, and, and Rutgers isn't a terrible team either. Um, th- this is an Eastern Michigan team that has really played some tough teams. They, have, they don't have that much to show for it. Um, they, they haven't really won any big games except for their last game here on Tuesday night at Ball State. So what's going to happen after that one? I think it's going to be really interesting to see where this line comes out at because Eastern Michigan's 
two and nine ATS. Kent State is six, six and one ATS. Kent State really hasn't proven that much this year, but they have won a couple good games on the road. They've beaten uh, Oregon State on the road. They've beaten Vanderbilt on the road. Vanderbilt uh, shorthanded right now without Garland, though. So Vanderbilt's certainly not as good of a win as it would have been. But, you know, Oregon State on the road during Christmas break. Kent State has proven that they can win on the road some, but they haven't played that many good teams this year. And they lost at home to Liberty. They lost at home uh, pretty badly to Bowling Green. I would certainly lean toward Eastern Michigan here, but I'm very curious to see where this line comes out at. I think that you know, Eastern Michigan should probably be favored in this game. Will they be? Uh, I don't know if they will be based on TS record is. So I'm very interested to see what this line comes out at. Well, and something for listeners to keep in mind is you're looking at the college basketball betting board every day. When there's this dramatic of a strength of schedule difference, we're generally seeing some kind of steam come in on the team that's played the harder schedule. So if you look at this one on Friday when it opens, maybe you want to take Eastern Michigan, get yourself some line value, then decide if you want to hold on, hold on to that ticket or buy off of it or, you know, look for a live opportunity, something like that. But these numbers are moving based on strength of schedule discrepancies. Yeah, they absolutely are. And sometimes you even, they even move enough to where you could get a middle opportunity. You know, say you have a, a plus two uh, and then the line moves three or four points, then uh, you're going to set up a pretty good situation there. So, um, you know, that, that can happen both in the side market and in the totals market. So it'll be something that we look at going forward too is, not only just, you know, what do we think on the full game as far as who would be the better play, but also what's the best market entry uh, time for, for games like this? Because, you know, getting the best of the number is, is even more important than most people think it is. And I think we should try to do the best we can to help betters do that. Yeah, and certainly in college basketball, where scoring is done by ones, twos, and threes. I mean, in, in football, when scoring is, is predominantly done by threes and sevens, you know, if you don't get the best of the number – Maybe it's not that bad, depending on if it's around a key number or something like that. In college basketball, well, any number can be a fall number. So got to keep that in mind here as well. Kyle, one last thing I wanted to ask you about. Obviously, we didn't have college football last Saturday. Uh, it was the first Saturday without college football that we've had. We don't have college football tomorrow. We don't have college football again until August, making a sad face here that nobody can see. With more public money out there in the college basketball betting market now, because people just want something to have action on, does that change anything from a, a philosophical standpoint or a strategic standpoint for you to know that more public money is going to be out there? Well, I think that the, the first thing that happens is that the big favorites are going to catch money even more than they did early in the season. Because earlier in the year, most people weren't paying attention to Duke and, and, and these big-name teams. You know, Maybe they saw it on ESPN once, but they weren't betting it. Now, when we see a game, you know, Duke against somebody else in the ACC, um, you know, the public's going to take Duke. We already know that. You know, in, in other games, you know, Gonzaga's going to take money. Um, uh, you know, I can't really blame people with them in the WCC and how they, they're beating up on everybody, but you already know what's going to happen. So this is one of those times where you can even predict it from a line move standpoint and uh, just get a, a price grab, try to go back the other way or, you know, just, just – hold on to it and see if you can get that win. Uh, the other thing I'll say is that people like to bet overs and not unders. And the, that's the biggest thing I would say I see. I watch the totals market as close as anybody I know in college basketball. And, and uh, there are more moves up than down by quite a bit now. And I think that's the case in general in college basketball, that 
that people don't want to bet unders. And I have to say, you know, it is no fun to, to bet unders and, and see the end of the game and, uh, you know, the foul fests that go on for three minutes and lose by half a point. But you can't just blindly bet overs either. Um, you know, I think that that's something to keep in mind is that this time of the year, you're going to get a lot of people taking the over. And if you like the over, you should probably play it earlier rather than later. If you like the under, in a lot of cases, you want to wait. I think that's the biggest thing that I notice the difference of uh, once the public starts getting involved. Kyle Hunter, professional handicapper over at huntersportspicks.com and, of course, doing the daily article for us at Bang the Book. What do you got going on over at your website right now? Well, I'm 38-20 and 20 so far this year on college basketball premium selections. I'm going to do a special here, just $450 for a college basketball season pass from here on out through the title game. If you mention Bang the Book Radio, you can contact me, Kyle, at huntersportspicks.com or at KyleHunterPix on Twitter. And obviously check out everything that I'm doing there at bangthebook.com. The daily article, like Adam said, there will also be some videos coming, uh, more podcast appearances. So uh, hopefully there will be a lot of good information out there for betters to check out. And definitely don't forget about Kyle's weekly situational spots piece for college basketball over at bangthebook.com as well. Kyle Hunter, huntersportspicks.com, at KyleHunterPicks on Twitter, and, of course, now an everyday contributor to bangthebook.com. Appreciate the time, as always, man. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Sounds good. Thank you.